welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. And yet she had a breakthrough probably about six years ago, which has ended in a break free in her life, in which she's living in the victory of in order to be able to have a relaxed coffee and a chat with this person. And I said to Rachel at the time, you know, your story is something that's challenging, it's inspiring, it's encouraging, and that's why I asked her to share it with us today. So firstly, Rachel, can you share just a few things about yourself? Yep. I'm 35 years old. Uh, I've got three beautiful children, uh, a little girl that's 11, and two boys, four and eight. Um, I love them so much. Uh, we've been coming to Victory for about seven years, and um, I try to do live my life with what's in my hand, as we've all been taught. And Rachel, along with her husband, lead one of our Connect groups. She's involved as a volunteer at Origin and helps in our bread ministry, so she's living a life beyond it herself. Can you maybe just let us a little bit of insight into your childhood, Rachel? Uh, when I was really young, I can't remember too much, my parents moved to Darwin to save their marriage, but it didn't work, so I really only know what they've told me. Um, when I was about six years old, I started to get sexually abused by a family member, and I felt like he needed it, because he, he was all alone, and... Um, he once asked me if I didn't like this, I could speak up and say something, but um, I didn't, so... You were feeling embarrassed, and the fact this person was an authority in your life, you yep. didn't feel that you were able to say no. Mm-hmm. So how did the abuse affect you growing up? Um, I remember uh, when I was younger, I was playing on the monkey bars at school and I remember all my friends were talking about um, the fun things they did with this family member. So I remember feeling um, see-through. I remember feeling empty. I remember feeling upset that I couldn't join in, couldn't say anything because I thought they'd see straight through me. And then into your teenage years, how did it affect you? Yep, I was very promiscuous, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places, getting involved in low-level drugs and alcohol. Um, basically, I got involved in the, the low-level drugs and alcohol to feel the emptiness that I felt inside. Um, I remember feeling... I remember having a mask on, uh, so... Family and friends couldn't see what was really happening in my life. And then when you're 20s, you met your husband, David? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was about 22 years old and um, I met him. Uh, he was really hunky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up getting married. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking I wouldn't tell him what had happened to me because I thought that he didn't want me. He wouldn't want a damaged girl like me. Um, So I didn't tell him. But I finally did tell him and um, 
he wanted to go and punch him out. Uh, I said no. I wasn't ready for my abuser to know that I remembered and um, that someone else knew about it. I didn't know how he would react to this. So you didn't know Jesus at that point in your life. So how did that come about? Uh, Through this period of my life, I was seeking, but not God per se, but I was seeking, I got involved in uh, witchcraft, um, sciences, alternative healing. Um, Sorry. (laughs) And then you you got involved with the church with your mum and your stepdad? Yes, uh, yeah, I started to go to church with them. So, and through that, we led a Christian Explain course at home. And um, through that, we gave our hearts to Jesus, both David and I. And how did you come to be at Victory? Uh, we came to be at Victory uh, through um, a certain time of our life. Um, our marriage was falling apart and... Um, Intimacy was a problem with us, so I came to Victory and I sought counselling and uh, the counsellors I saw uh, didn't really um, fix me. They all said the right things and all said the things I thought a counsellor would say, um, but I was still, I guess, broken, so I stopped going. But then I uh, came to Victory, I felt my family and I, and the first people we met was Sally and Pete, which was really great, and um, when I found out she was a counsellor, I thought, "Mm, why not, I'll give the go. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, so I made the appointment, and uh, I was bawling, tears in my eyes were there, and um, she was lovely through that whole time. Uh, When I first became, well, when I first went there, um, I asked her if it was necessary to remember certain instances. And um, basically, because I dug them so far deep down, that um, it was very painful to bring them up and to remember them. Um, But she said, no, Um, that was really great. That helped me and relaxed me a lot. Uh, she uh, mentioned that God would bring me certain circumstances up that would um, help me to heal. And so through the counselling, you learn how to be able to surrender all of the, the baggage, I guess, that you've been carrying to God. Yeah. I, um, I vented to God and had lots of issues, anger issues, um, parenting issues. I um, had my little boy and um, and a little girl, and and I just thought that they don't deserve to hear me scream and yell and and at, all the time. And so, how did you make a change from where you were, from angry, to okay, I'm going to respond well in this situation? Uh, surrendering. I surrendered my life to God. Uh, that didn't help. Well, it helped me, but it didn't fix everything. So it was a journey. I chose to, to believe what God was saying about me. And I know one significant meeting that took place is, as a catalyst for your healing was when I mediated a session between yourself and the person who abused you. 
Can you share how that came about? Yep. Um, I made an appointment with him. Um, the first time I made up with him, I became really sick and uh, I had to cancel. The second appointment was really great. We met and I told him how I felt, the abusing, and, and he just looked at me and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, over and over and over again. And I said, look, it's okay, I forgive you. And, um, and that was amazing. I saw him uh, just take the weight off his shoulders, um, see his face change. He was a dark person, and I just saw the light around him. It was just wonderful watching that. And what did it do in you that day? Thank you. I've lost where I am. That's okay. (laughs) You were just saying about how much you wanted to be free and that you felt a real sense of freedom at that time. Yeah, um, I do. And we... I look at him now, and we catch up, and uh, I still see him. He uh, comes for a coffee. Last time I brought him here to Origin, which was really great. Um, When I see him and talk to him, I no longer see and think, how could he? What about me? You know, he did this to me. Me. And um, But now I see that he needs to see Jesus. Yeah, and I think it was such a privilege for me to be part of that meeting because it was just the power of forgiveness right there, tangible in the room to be able to see that. And I just love the fact that Rachel, even though it was hard, I know how hard it was because I know the time you cancelled, you were bailing, you were running. I know how hard it was, but the fact that she pushed through and said, you know what, even though it's hard, God is on my case about I've got to forgive this person. I have to have this meeting. And I love the fact, too, that she didn't want to have the meeting out of a sense of, I'm just going to let them know what they did to me. I'm going to let them know how it's affected me. It was about her freedom, and it was about, she may be the only person that that person ever comes across that's a Christian. And it's about shining a little bit of God's light, forgiveness, peace, love into a dark, dark place. So I love that about what happened in that meeting, Rachel. So there were obviously some practical things that you did to become the woman you are today to overcome from your past. So can you maybe just give us a few keys that you utilised? Okay. Um, I put Bible verses up um, so I could read them and and look at them and and say them. Uh, I chose to believe what God was saying about me. Uh, That was hard, but... You know, you you choose it. Your mind just wanders off, and um, you, you keep bringing it back. You choose to yeah. keep believing. That's good. And I know some of the battles Rachel had were, hey, I want to actually feel like I want to have intimacy with my husband. I want to feel like I can parent my son and not not ignore him because I don't want to connect with him because he's a male. There were some significant battles that she had to fight, and I know that she would go hide in her room and say, God, 
I'm feeling like this, but I know it's not the right response. I've got to change. I'm staying here until I change my perspective and I go out there and give a correct response. And I think the battle was hard at the time, but now you're actually living in the victory yeah. of those moments, which is wonderful. So can you just tell us, you are not just had your breakthrough, but you're actually maintaining and living free. Can you give us some keys? How do we live free, Rachel? Basically, in one word, God. <laughs> um, I do a lot of things as well. I, I read the Bible. I worship and pray um, every day. I protect my mind about watch it with things I watch on TV. Uh, one, uh, I've got... Mum actually gave me this um, book, and it's all Bible verses in little categories. So I just open that up and read them, and it's great to uh, to read it and say how much God loves me and how much authority I have over my circumstance yeah, and my life. And um, that really helps me. There's this song as well, um, which you all know probably, uh, Save Your King. And it's, um, I just love the line in it, to honour this, the love of Christ, the Saviour King. And it shows me how much God loves me. He died. He went to the cross and he died. And he yes. rose again. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it shows me so much love, even when I didn't know it. Yeah. He showed me love and was working in my life. And uh, so that's what motivates me to love people and to step out in faith and to volunteer as yeah. well. Wonderful, because you're living a life to honour him. That's that, wonderful. Yeah. Obviously, there are ladies here today who may have had some memories triggered or some things that they're struggling with and saying, Rachel, you know what, I can't get over my past. And I know you were definitely in that place where you felt that at some time. So what would your advice be to them today? Okay. Somewhere here. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I can read this bit. Uh, seek help from your leaders. Let people in your world know and help you. They love you. Uh, they want to be there for you. Uh, keep looking. Keep seeking. Uh, your past doesn't have to dictate your future, so keep seeking. Yeah, very good. Um, choose purposely where your mind goes. Um, it just wanders off. So purposely choose where your mind goes. Uh, yeah. Know what God says about you and believe it. He yeah. doesn't lie to you. Um, your family deserves it. Your life deserves it and your mind deserves it. And uh, put up Bible verses up around so you can constantly read and you can constantly have that wash over you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing today. No worries. Thank you. It's a beautiful and inspiring story. And I'm sure that it has challenged some of us today where you may feel that hey, I was in that dark place or I am still in that dark place. And so I'm just going to take a couple of minutes just maybe to pull together some of the things that Rachel said and bring it together just so maybe just to give us some keys. So if you are in that place today, if stuff has come up for you, I believe completely that what God reveals, he heals. 
And so I've titled my message, It's Your Time to Live Free. So today, when you walk out of this place, you can leave those things behind and live free. So the first key, I think, that in living free is to actually deal with our past. Someone just said to me earlier, you know, like I've had this and this and this in my past, and I sort of just brushed it aside and said, yeah, yeah, it's been part of me, but I don't know if I've really dealt with it. And so sometimes we need to look at, okay, why am I angry? Rachel was very angry, but she had to trace back, okay, this is why I'm angry. Why are you insecure? Why are you lacking confidence? Why are you promiscuous? Why are you rebellious? Why do you lack commitment? Why are you afraid? Why are you anxious? Why are you depressed? There's reasons for those behaviours in our lives. So we need to actually retrace back and take some time out and go, actually, I've got to recognise this thing in my past is what that behaviour is connected to and deal with it. The next step in dealing with our past is the massive step that Rachel took in forgiving. In... um, uh, Luke 6.37, it says, Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Now, my Bible doesn't say, Forgive others if you feel like it. It doesn't say, Forgive others as long as I never have to see them again. Forgive others when you're ready, honey. Forgive others as long as they never do it again. Forgive others as long as I'm feeling like I'm having a good day. Forgive others as long as I want to, and there's a benefit in it for me. It doesn't say that. It says, forgive others. And I'm telling it to you straight, that's like a command from Jesus. Forgive others. He says that there's no provisions. It's us that put in the little clauses and the dot points and the provisos in there. It's pretty much straightforward. Forgive others. And so although it's hard, I can tell you it was hard for Rachel. I walked through that time with her. It was hard, but it was worth it. And I would hate to project, if Rachel was still in that place of cancelling that meeting, I know a few things would have happened. Six years down the track, I would have said, honey, I've got nothing else to help you with. I can't tell you anything else until you do that. I've got no other advice for you. So I wouldn't still be walking through it and helping her. I would like to know she'd still be married whether her husband would have put up with the anger, whether she'd be connected with her children, whether she'd be isolated, whether she'd still be in church because if she knew the last thing God said to her was forgive and she didn't do it, he's not going to tell her anything new. So I don't know where to, what place she'd be in today if she hadn't done that. So although it's hard, forgive others. Um, the second thing is to live in the now. I know um, Renee has beautifully talked about our thought life. I just want to throw a little bit of neuropsychology into the mix because what happens in our brains is we create neural pathways, which are like roads in our brain. The more you go down the road, the more solid it becomes. So this happens, I get angry. This happens, I feel afraid. This happens, I'm insecure. This happens, I want attention. Those roads become more and more solidified the more we travel them. Now, the beauty about it is that we can actually uncreate those habits because the thing is, once we create a new pathway, although it's hard to do, the old ones die off. And so that's why Rachel now, she doesn't default to anger because she fought that battle, she won it, and now her habit is a correct response. And so just like when you're driving, when you're near home, you go, okay, I don't need to think about what street am I going down now. You just, you do it out of habit. 
But just recently we had roadworks on the little street I zipped through to get to my kids' school. And every day I go down there, have it, oh, I flipped the roadworks, I forgot. So I've got to create a new route to get to my destination. Now it's hard work because by the time they finish the roadworks, I finally worked, okay, here's my new route. And now they're finished. It's hard work and it takes time and effort to create a new habit, but it can be done. So if you're thinking you can't, science backs up what the Bible says is that you can. In Romans 12, 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, also in living in the now, you need to make a good decision in the now. I'll say to people, you're living life like your windscreen is your rearview mirror. And if we literally did that, we would crash. You can't look at your rearview mirror and get to where you're going. You'd crash. So you've got to make your windscreen your windscreen, and that's about making a good decision now. Oh, there's a stoplight. I must stop. Oh, I can't turn right. I need to wait for that car. So although you're feeling like, I want to do this right now, if I want, I want to go through that traffic light, I can't do that because it says stop. I need to stop. So you need to take the time to go, I'm going to make a good response. Although I don't feel like it, although my past is dictating something else to me, I'm going to make a good decision for the moment to affect my relationships in the here and now. Um, thirdly, we look to the future. Rachel had a motivation to be free. She just kept saying to me, I want to be whole. I want to be free. She wanted to be the person that God created her to be. I don't think there's one person here who was created to be unforgiving, to be bitter, to be depressed, to be anxious, to be constrained, to be confined, to be diminished. There's not one person here who God had that plan for your life. But we've actually created that for ourselves. God's plan and purpose is for you to prosper. He has plans for you to live life to the full. He has plans for you to move forward, to have a destiny, as Renee was talking about before. So have the desire, I want to live my life to honour you, as Rachel said. What's going to honour you with my life? The other side of looking to the future is that we need to do it for others' sake. Rachel thought, you know what, my marriage deserves better than an angry, uptight mother. My kids deserve better. My friends deserve better. My extended family. And the person, the family member who hurt her, he actually deserves better as well for to, so he can see a glimpse of Jesus in someone's life. So we've got to do it for the sake of others as well. See beyond ourselves, see the big picture. And I know Rachel would have been amazed way back then if I had said, you're going to speak to 350 women about this Back then, she would have been overwhelmed, but the impact that she's had today because of her breakthrough and breaking free and maintaining that is bigger than herself. So we've got to see bigger. It's not all about the now. It's about, okay, what am I going to do then? How is it going to impact my future and those that are around me? In Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favour has come. Just, I just want to chat about that a little bit, but as I do, if um, our worship team can just start to move towards the front. When I read that 
that part that says proclaimed captives will be released. I had a picture of a cage and it's a cage like with bars all around it and there's someone in it that's actually constrained and crouched over because the bars are too small for them to stand up. They're blindfolded and they're, they're diminished and they're caught in this cage. And Jesus says, I've come to set you free. So he's come along and unlocked the cage, said, hey, honey, you can get out the cage. And I just had a sense that there are some of us here who, even though Jesus has become a part of your life, or maybe he hasn't at this point in time, that we've chosen to stay in the cage. We've chosen to stay behind the bars of unforgiveness, of past hurts, of pain, of relational breakdown, of those, those eating disorders, of the self-harm. We've chosen to stay in that cage and not get out. And I really sense today that Jesus is saying, honey, I know you're afraid and I know that it's comfortable at a level in the cage and I know that to stretch and get out is going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, but we're going to do it together and I'm going to hold your hand and I want you to get out the cage today and I want you to leave it behind and walk into the vast open space that he's calling you into, which is freedom. And the thing is, the further you get away from the cage, the smaller the cage looks. Your perspective changes. You go with Jesus and then you look back and go, you know what, that cage doesn't look as intimidating anymore. It doesn't look like, I don't want to get back in there. You ask Rachel, she won't want to get back in that cage. She wants to move forward into all that God has for her. So I just want to encourage you today, if there's something that's come up as Rachel was talking, as Renee's been talking today, is some of those words that I've mentioned or something God's nailing you on, like Kath said before, the one thing. Allow God to draw you out of the cage. Grab his hand, hang on to him. And I think a massive key for Rachel is her daily walk with Jesus in maintaining her victory. Every day you've got to stay with Jesus. You've got to go, I can't do this without you. Help me, help me walk it through. And so if God's highlighting something to you, just as our worship team um, have an item to sing over us, I just want you to reflect on that and just, just allow Jesus to help you out of the cage today. Hold on to his hand and walk in your freedom because, ladies, it's your time to live free. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.